The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. The East Coast is breathing some awful air these days, something we know a lot about. Though the summer tends to lift the visible inversion from the valley, it does not absolve us. Wildfire smoke, vehicle emissions all make their way into our lungs. But when the air outside is brutal, what does it mean for the air inside? Last summer, I asked Dr. Carrie Kelly, an indoor air expert, and in the name of transparency, I gotta tell you, I mostly just wanted to know if my houseplants are pulling their weight. It's Tuesday, June 13th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Carrie Kelly, so many questions for you on indoor air quality. Hopefully I'll have so many answers. I've just been thinking about it a lot because I feel like as a Salt Laker, we're always thinking about air quality and it's kind of a doom and gloom thing that you come to face when you move here or if you grow up here. And then there comes a day in every Salt Laker's life when you're looking around your apartment and you're like, I wonder what there is like in here. Actually, that is a great question. And in fact, we spend about 90% of our time indoors. So that is a great question. Well, how do we measure it? So Indoor air quality is measured much less frequently than outdoor air quality. So we measure it with instrumentation and you can do it with expensive instrument, like what the Division of Air Quality has. Or um, more recently, there have been much more cost-effective solutions to at least get an indicator of what your indoor air quality is like. Okay. So could I, as just me, Ali Vallarta in my apartment, measure my indoor air quality? Like, how would I do that? Yeah. In fact, you could. So- We actually have a new project with the University of Utah. We're really excited about it. We're going to be looking at indoor air quality on campus throughout the University of Utah in about 22 buildings. Um, And we have some sensors that we made up, and then the university is commercializing those. You can go to telesensors.org if you want one of those. Um, Purple Air also has uh, an indoor air quality sensor. If you want to look, there's an independent evaluation site called AQSpec. It's through the South Coast Air Quality Management District. And if you want, I'll send you a couple links when we're done with this. Yeah, we'll share them. And you can post those that people can go and research. But you do probably need to do just a little bit of research. Sensors that measure particulate matter generally work pretty well. Sensors that measure carbon dioxide work reasonably well. And our, the sensor out of the University of Utah does that. Sensors that measure some other things like volatile organic compounds are tend to be more of more questionable quality. Okay. Because it just turns out that those are hard to do and the sensors generally are not quite good enough yet. But yes, so you can measure your own indoor air quality. And what you will likely find and what studies have found is that um, one of the first things you can do is look at your own sources of poor indoor air quality, especially if you're doing things like burning candles, burning incense. If you have a tobacco smoker that lives in your home, mm-hmm. we're not doing it now, but people who like to burn wood either in stoves or in fireplaces, that also negatively affects indoor air quality. 
Wait, so you're telling me my candles could be negatively affecting oh, for my sure. indoor? <gasps> Sorry. Okay, this is devastating. Sorry if you don't want to hear that. <laughs> They're great for ambiance. They are great for ambiance and I don't want to ruin your romantic evening, but yeah, it's not great for air quality. That's so interesting because I mean, like, of course, right off the bat, if I were to think about it, I'm like, okay, what are, what are like the big, the heavy hitters of air quality in this Valley that are probably sneaking into my home? Wildfire smoke, smog, ozone, toxic dust. What am I missing? Um, and in during the wintertime inversion, the particles. Right. So, but what you're saying is even in a Salt Lake Valley, in a world without like terrible smog, burning candles, like there are just day-to-day things I'm doing that could be decreasing the quality of my indoor. Oh, for sure. And probably more so than the outdoor infiltration, although that can change. Typically, indoor air quality is worse than outdoor air quality, huh? except during things like wildfire events, inversion events, and dust events. Interesting. Okay. So how much control do we have then over our indoor air? Maybe more than I thought at the beginning of our conversation. Yeah. And in fact, that's kind of the nice thing about indoor air quality. It's a lot easier to control. So we all need to pitch in and do what we can about outdoor air quality. And there are things we can do like, you know, avoid exercising during times when we've got high ozone concentration outside, like in the afternoons that can help us. But for indoor air, we actually have a lot of control. So you can choose to like, burn candles or not, you can make sure you regularly update the filter in your HVAC system. That's important. Making sure that you've got a filter that is what's called MERV 13 or higher. So most HVAC systems will take those. So those are all things you can do that are you know, very cost-effective to improve your indoor air quality. I guess I would say the number one thing you could do is not smoke indoors. Yeah. That seems like a pretty good one. Although easier said than done sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Easier said than done. An interesting fact, um, actually vacuuming sort of temporarily can cause an increase in air pollution inside. So if you have a really sensitive individual in your home, you might want to vacuum when they're not at home. Huh. That's so interesting. There is quite a bit of control that we've got over the air that's happening inside our home based on the things you've covered, like what we're producing inside our home. But in terms of like bad air in the valley that sneaks in, Mm -hmm. how common is that? And how often does it sneak in? Actually, that is very common. Outdoor air comes in through your ventilation system. It comes in through cracks in in open windows. It comes in when people open and close doors. So Mm -hmm. there are lots of ways that it gets inside and it will, it will get inside. So you, you know, you can't prevent it. And part of good ventilation is to have some outdoor air come in. Coincidentally, due to COVID and concerns over disease spread, a lot of institutions have increased the intake of outdoor air that comes in which is all fine and good, except when we have some of our pollution events, you want to make sure that you have adequate filtration, um, like during wildfire events. In fact, we have some preliminary results during that horrible wildfire event when we had the worst air quality in the entire world. Yeah, I remember Um, that. We had air quality inside my building at the University of Utah that was about double the outdoor national ambient standard. Outside, we were triple, so it was a little better inside, but still not good. Wow. No, that's very bad. Yeah. So part of the study we're doing with the University of Utah is to get an understanding of this and to work with facilities to see what what we might do to improve indoor air quality inside. This might be a silly question, but is humidity a factor of good indoor air quality? 
Okay. So you want humidity that's in a comfortable range. Okay. If your humidity is too high, that can lead to mold, which you don't usually think about in Utah that much, but right. if you do have elevated levels of humidity inside, some people do have humidification systems. If you've got that up too high, you can get mold, which can be a strong allergen for a lot of people. So you want to be careful about that. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants, but the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments, so if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. I think one of the like questions that I'm trying to figure out in my Salt Lake life these days is do I need to get an indoor air filter? I've been over to friends' houses who have them. They look are like these big machines that kind of sit in the middle of their living room and they're always humming. They're quite expensive when I've looked them up. And like, I think I'm just trying to figure out if this is an investment that I need to make as someone who lives in this valley. What would your advice be? Okay, well, I think it depends. So if you live in a modernish home or apartment and you've got an HVAC filter that's replaced regularly and you've got at least Smurf 13, you're probably pretty good. Okay. If you want to go that extra step, you do not have to buy a big fancy filtration system. You can just take a box filter that you can buy at a home improvement store and a HEPA filter, which you can bungee cord to it. So you're looking at costs of about $30. You can put that in and that actually does a pretty decent job reducing particle levels in your home. Wait, so where am I putting that in? Just in the room that you're in. Oh, just in the room, like just set it in the room? Yeah. Okay. So um, there have been a number of studies and that is that is actually quite effective. So it doesn't have to cost a lot. They're not as beautiful looking as some of yeah. these other <laughs> systems. And I guess a couple of things I did want to mention about these air filtration systems. 
There are two types. One um, removes particles, which is good. The other okay. will remove like organics from the air, which is also can be important if you've got, like if your home is new, you've got new carpets, new construction, or if you're using a lot of like cleaning or disinfecting supplies, that might be important to you. Those would have yeah. activated carbon in them. Both of them can be useful. Particles tend to be what you think about more in this valley, but you do want to make sure that you just get a filtration system. Do not get systems that say disinfection, producing positive ions, blasting particles. So avoid those things because those can actually generate pollution inside. They, some of these actually generate ozone, which is bad for your lungs. So I would stick with a system that's just based on filtration or just based on activated carbon. Okay. So don't go for these fancy systems that claim to disinfect your air or give you sometimes either positive or negative ions um, or like destroy all pollution through some kind of oxidation reaction. So you will see ads for those and I would definitely avoid those. Huh. It sounds kind of scammy. It is kind of scammy. And um, I mean, they may have been initiated with good intention, but they can have unintended consequences of poor air quality for you. So I would avoid those. Plus they're a little bit more expensive. So no need to pay for something that might actually harm your air quality. Are there any other sort of like hacks or tips for people that want to improve their indoor air quality? Like I have to ask you, I have a lot of plants and I think they give me a lot of comfort in thinking that they're producing wonderful air for me, but like how much is an, a houseplant actually improving my air quality? So in terms of reducing key pollutants that affect indoor air quality, the plants actually don't have too much of an effect. They have not been able to measure anything given a reasonable amount of plants like you would have in, a, in your home. Right. So um, if they make you feel good, that's great. They certainly don't <laughs> in any way deteriorate your air quality. So no problem with having them, but, okay. but they probably won't really improve your air quality. Hmm. Okay. Is there anything else that we can be doing that's like combative of bad air quality that's sneaking in? Like my instinct, of course, when I look out my window and just see like a haze over the city mm -hmm. is to like just draw the blinds. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess think about the, um, you know, think about your own sources of poor indoor air quality. Sorry about the candles, but candles, incense, and even cooking, make sure you've turned your vent on okay. if you're cooking especially if you're doing any frying that can actually lead to very high levels of particulate matter in your house. So those mm -hmm. things are all good. Then look at your HVAC filtration. So those are probably the two main things that you can do. And then of course, you know, chipping in and doing what you can to uh, improve outdoor air quality. So whether or not that is chaining your vehicle trips, using mass transportation, doing what you can to contribute to good air quality. And now with dust, minimizing water use. Okay. Is there necessarily a correlation between outdoor air quality and indoor air quality? Like as it gets worse in this valley, which we sort of anticipate, should we assume that our indoor air quality is also getting a little bit worse? That does sort of depend, uh, again, what your, what your system is like. But we have seen in some of our studies that slowly, if you were to look at like a wintertime inversion, slowly indoors air quality does deteriorate. But the results I'm referring to happened in an older home okay. in a, you know, an older neighborhood in Salt Lake that didn't have a super robust HVAC system. Dr. Carrie Kelly, thank you so much for your time. I learned a lot. I'm going to bear it all in mind and burn maybe one less candle every day. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Allie. It was good talking to you. 
If the Canadian wildfires have you checking your watch on our fire season, we did a wildfire season forecast a few weeks back on this show, covering not just predictions for this summer's burns, but also a bit about the movement to correct wildland firefighter pay disparities. I linked that episode in the show notes for you. Utah has dispatched three firefighting hotshot crews to help out with neighboring burns. Hotshots are seasonal interagency squads of wildland firefighters. It's extremely tactical and physical work. And I learned this today. They're called hotshots because they work on the hottest part of the wildfire. The Alta hotshots are in Wisconsin right now. The Lone Peak hotshots are in Michigan. And the Logan hotshots are in Alberta. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.